1: if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord. <laughs> and there it is, right? If, if you guys aren't happy with the land over on the east, then why don't you just come over here on the west? There's plenty of land. We can, we can draw, up, cast lots again and, and draw up another map, and easily you guys can fit in here. There's enough land. You can come in. God will make it happen. That was his original plan. That was his original desire. That was his perfect will, but you settled for his permissive will. So there you are, already feeling guilty and already on the slippery slope of sin.
0: Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says, Take Possession Among Us. Hi everyone, and welcome to our Bible study. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 22 of the book of Joshua. We learned today that if there was some uncleanliness in the land to the east of the Jordan, then the children of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh were invited to come and live with the tribes on the western side of the Jordan. This was an invitation made at great cost. It would have meant a much smaller area of land for the Western tribes. But it didn't matter because they were willing to sacrifice to see their brethren free from this uncleanliness or sin. Too many of us today tell others to stop sinning but lack the willingness to help them if it costs us something. Now let's join Pastor Rob.
1: And um, Rehoboam is really over Judah and Jerusalem. But what did Jeroboam do? What was the thing that got him into trouble? In fact, the Lord was so angry with this man for what he did. He built two altars because the southern two tribes had what? Jerusalem, and that's where, the, that's where the tabernacle was. That's where everything was supposed to take place. But Jeroboam is thinking to himself, hmm, I got ten tribes. I better think of something quick or everyone's going to want to go down there. So he hatches a plan. Let's build an altar in Bethel, and then we'll build another one up in Dan, And then we'll put two golden calves, and we'll put on one of those crystal balls, you know, those things that revolve around it, and it'll hit the gold, and it'll just be, "Uh, uh," you know, it'll it'll, it'll be a dazzling display. Everyone will be happy. Everyone will feel good inside, and they'll come back, and they'll come back, and and we'll even get a good band, some electric guitars and some smoke coming off the stage. Feed them lots of cotton candy, get them all doped up on sugar, lights, course, I'm having fun with this, aren't I? But you get the idea. So he got into serious trouble because idolatry, idolatry, and so the seed of it was back here. Thank God that the the two and a half tribes, their heart wasn't really so. And besides, it wasn't really necessary that they built this altar. And why do I say that? Because what it says in Exodus 23. Just write this reference down. Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17, and this is what it says. And this is why the the, the altar wasn't necessary, because what did God tell them many, many years prior to this? He said, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, and this included the Passover, by the way, as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Aviv, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty, and For the feast of harvest, or firstfruits, of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, at the end of the year, which uh, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field, three times in a year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. That means the guys on the eastern side, too. Three times in a year they were to come over to Israel, over to Shiloh, until um, until it went into Jerusalem. So, verse 17, they said, Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, for which you are not cleansed, from which we are not cleansed until this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord? We won't go here, of course, uh, for time's sake, but um, what he's referring to here, Joshua, is what happened in Numbers 22 through 25. Balak, the, the, the king of Moab, hired Balaam, a prophet, to curse the children of Israel. Of course, he did not do it. Rather, God overruled the prophet who was uh, guilty of, uh, his heart wasn't quite right. He, he loved things. He liked money. But one thing that Balaam did do is he told Balak, he said, hey, listen, if you really want to get these, if you want God to curse them, he's going to have to do it, they're going to have to bring it upon themselves, and here's how you do it. Get some of those cute Moabite girls to come out and hang out with the Hebrew boys. That'll do the trick, trust me. And certain, certainly he did you can read numbers 25 and that's exactly what happened exactly what happened and so th- this is what he's talking about here so in verse 18 but that you must um but that you must turn away this day from following the lord and it shall be if you rebel today against the lord that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of israel nevertheless if the land of your possession is unclean then cross over to the land of the possession of the lord <laughs> and there it is right if, if you guys aren't happy with the land over on the east, then why don't you just come over here on the west? There's plenty of land. We can, we can draw up, cast lots again and, and draw up another map, and easily you guys can fit in here. There's enough land. You can come in. God will make it happen. That was his original plan. That was his original desire. That was his perfect will. But you settled for his permissive will. So there you are, already feeling guilty and already on the slippery slope of sin. Nevertheless, Oh, verse 20, excuse me. He says, Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing? And wrath fell on the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. What he's talking about here is what happened in Joshua chapter 7. Remember, after they had conquered Jericho, one of the men, Achan, he took a wedge of gold and a wedge of silver and a Babylonian garment. He stole it. He wasn't supposed to take anything in this battle, but he did. God told them not to touch anything. It was everything was going to be dedicated to the Lord for his purposes. But Achan took it, remember, and not only was Israel paid the price for it because the very next battle in Ai they go up to the battle. 36 men of Israel died, which is not really a lot considering how many of the enemy died. But 36 men of the Israelites died, and not only did Achan himself, but his whole entire family, his wives, his children, they were all stoned, and then they were burned, and their things were buried. So his sin, and and, and there's, there's reason to believe his whole family was actually complicit in this, so it's not like some kind of cruel thing. But notice in verse 21 now, it says, Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows, and let Israel know itself. If it is in rebellion or if, 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 if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. So these two-and-a-half tribes are saying, listen, we don't, there's nothing in our heart to do wrong here. And this is where they start to explain what their intentions were. He says in verse twenty-three, if we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord Himself require an account. So thank God these guys weren't as twisted and, and deranged as their brothers thought they were. Isn't that isn't that kind of interesting? We always think the emo, the most evil thing, and, and I guess I can't really blame them because they weren't supposed to build an altar. And certainly, they could probably stand up on one of the mountains over in, in Judah and look over and see over there by the Jordan and go, what is that thing they're building? It looks like the Taj Mahal. What are they doing? They're building this huge altar down there. Oh, they're going to get it. No sooner, you know, and you can already see the, the angst in their heart, the, you know, the, 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 the suspicion building in their hearts. I knew it wouldn't be long. These guys on the western or the eastern side, I knew it wouldn't be long. I knew it wouldn't be long before they would resort to this darkness. <coughs> I am your father. And they're just bringing them over, you know, and, and, and they're all thinking the most evil thing. I knew that they would do it. You can, you can almost feel it because of the way they responded to them. But in fact, they said, if we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying, in time to come, or I'm sorry, excuse me, but in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying, in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? And it's a very interesting thought, I guess. But if they still were going to come over, you know, three times a year for the feast, this really still wouldn't be necessary, would it? But their fear is, once we get across over there, people are going to forget all about us, and then, then they're going to immediately think that it's us and them. It's not very hard to think that way, right? Anybody had that feeling, us and them kind of mentality? That's exactly what they're thinking. So they were fearing that. So therefore, in verse 26, let us now prepare to build an altar or an altar for ourselves, again, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and you, you people on the West and our generations after us, that we may perform the services of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, in other words, at Shiloh, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. So they did it. They wanted to feel part. They wanted to make sure that there was some kind of remnant, some kind of witness between the two of them. And again, it breaks your heart to think that they would be willing to settle for God's second when they, God's best was what he wanted for them. Can you already see that the, whenever you do something that's God's permissive will, there's always regret. It's called buyer's remorse. Have you ever bought something, and then you realize, oh, I wish I would have spent the extra 20 bucks and got the deluxe model. And so now they're starting to feel it. <laughs> they're starting to feel this. And I think it's the Lord, because they're, 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 they're reaping, in a sense, what they've sown. And again, is it bad to have land? No, it's not. But it wasn't God's best. See, that's the difference. God's best and God's permissive. I would encourage you to take, the God's, take God's best. Don't settle for what's permissible. And we do it every day, uh, many of us. I know I have. have settled for God's permissive will rather than his perfect will. Verse 29, far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings, or for sacrifices, beside the altar of the Lord our God, which is before his tabernacle. In other words, we know the altar is in Shiloh, guys. We know it's there. That's where it has to happen. That's where all the sacrifices have to happen. This is just a witness between us. We're not going to burn anything on it. We're not going to do anything. You know, and it's interesting, too, that as a result of this compromise with the two-and-a-half tribes, they would be the first ones that would be taken captive. They would be the first ones to be taken captive by Assyria. Before the northern tribes were taken captive, those two-and-a-half tribes were picked off. And they were also marauded. They, 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 they were, they were um, constantly invaded by the desert peoples from the south were always coming in and in that area and, and creating problems for them. And ultimately, they would be taken away captive themselves. Now when Phinehas, verse 30, the priests and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel, who were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke. It pleased them. So they finally understood what, the, what, what, the, what their intent was. The communication finally came out. They got the email. They got the text message. Oh, that's what you guys have planned to do. Oh, boy, am I glad. We were coming out after you because we knew that you guys were already falling away and we were just going to take the sword and go after you. So, so it pleased them when they heard this. Verse 31, Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, they said, this day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. Because here's the thing, God always treated them, if they were to sin on the, on the east side of the Jordan, God would hold them all accountable. It's kind of unfair in a sense, but um, you know, he, they knew that the judgment of God would come even upon them if they continued to, to sin. And so Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and the rulers, they returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, or at least they thought so anyway. And, and you see how God does, he, he, he used the whole, um, the whole nation of Israel. And when one person did something, the rest of them paid a price for it. And there's something about that that is, it's called accountability, isn't it? It's, it's 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 a way of God teaching his people that it's important for you all to obtain you know all to adhere to this, otherwise it just spreads like leaven right a little leaven leavens the whole lump and and so they had to plagues and things of that nature throughout the Bible happen as a result of just one person doing something, and so they all suffer unfortunately for it. So the Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, verse 32, and the rulers, they returned from the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the land of Gilead, to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. And I bet they were really excited to know that they didn't have to go out and fight their brothers. They've already been fighting other Canaanites. It'd be nice not to have to go and kill my brothers. (laughs) Can you imagine that? So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God, and they spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And then finally, verse 34, The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness. In other words, Ed. That was the name of it, Ed. And it means witness. For it is a witness between us that the Lord is God, that the Lord is God. And so we're going to stop there tonight. We'll look at the last two chapters. They're shorter chapters uh, somewhat. Uh, Next week we'll finish uh, the book of Joshua. It's been a great book, hasn't it, just going through. And you see a lot of your... um, I see a lot of myself, actually, especially in my old nature. And even as as a Christian, you know, if we're not careful, we can allow these areas of the flesh to encroach upon us. And so it's always important to be uh, diligent, um, and just as God had told the children of Israel you know when, when they when they came into their different inheritances, He told them he says, Now go in and finish the job i 've done my part. The big battles have been won now, I want you to go in, and I want you to finish the job. I want you to finish destroying those inhabitants because i've it was god 's judgment against those peoples, and why because God enjoys killing people? No, because of their sin for hundreds of years. They had been doing these things, and God says, enough's enough. I want you, Israel, to dispossess them, wipe out everything. They deserve it. It's my judgment. And yet they got in there, and after the big battles are done, they had little pockets of enemies, little pockets of enemies, and instead of going, you know, I just am tired of war. Hey, go over there and pick up that piece of wood and bring me that thing of water. Hmm, kind of like that. Everyone's going, hey, that is pretty nice. Hey, why don't you pick up that wood over there and bring it over here? And that pitcher of water, bring that over there. And so naturally these people who are destined for death are thinking to themselves, I think I like this deal a little better. I don't have a problem with that. Hewers of wood fetchers of water, and that caught on. And then all of a sudden, we're going to look, and when we get into Judges, we're going to see that that thing, that thing that happened in Gibeon, that wicked little compromise started to spread all throughout the tribes. It was like the coronavirus <laughs> over there. It just infected everyone, and they're like, this is a really good deal. Let's not, let's not wipe out anybody else. Let's just put them to tribute. Let's make them work for us. And that was their undoing. Do you understand? God's perfect will. Wipe out everything. Were they obedient to it? No, they, did, they were not. They decided to do their plan. And what was the result of that compromise? Going forward now hundreds of years. Going forward hundreds of years. What was the result of that compromise? It was the captivity of Judah in Israel. That's the result of it. They were led captive because of their idolatry, because these people groups that they were supposed to destroy, that God says, you need to do it. Remember, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18, I believe it is, or 18 through 20. Lest they teach you their ways. That's why I want you to go and destroy it. And them, lest they teach you their ways. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And then as time went on, they started marrying their, their daughters and their sons married their daughters and they're having happy families and they're starting to worship. Hey, did you see my, you know, this teraphim that I've got, this little idol that my, we used to worship? Oh, really, what's it like? I don't know, let's bow down before it. And then the next thing you know, they're worshiping these idols and God is not pleased. And God is not pleased because he knows that it takes their heart away and it brings his judgment his wrath upon them because he loves them he loves them and he loves you and i too and that's why he gives us these things to encourage us to love on us so what will you do what is your response to all of this tonight as we as we read and reason through these things you know you and i both we have decisions to make tonight tomorrow the next day the next week next month we have decisions to make are we going to pray Are we going to seek the Lord? Are we going to ask for his will to be done and not our own? Even though our will may be exactly what we want. Can I just tell you something that I had a desire in my life, and I'll end with this. I wanted to be something. I was headed in that direction. And the Lord intervened. I didn't even ask him. He intervened in my life at a time in my life when I was going and doing my thing, and I thought that I was going to be more fulfilled by doing, going down this road for this vocation. And he interrupted me. He interrupted me. I didn't ask. He just came into my life, changed everything. Just And boy, am I so glad he did. Are you glad he did that for you? Did he intervene like that in your life? I'm so glad he did because you know what? His will for my life was so much better than I could have ever thought possible. And can I tell you that I'm more excited and blessed now than I could ever be. And even thinking about going back and doing what I was planning on doing, it would have been nothing compared to what he's even allowing me to do now. So blessed, so thankful, you know. Isn't that awesome? And see, he's no different with you. He's, we're, we're the same in his hand. So don't settle for second best. Don't settle for the silver. Go for the gold. And I don't mean this in some kind of wealth, health and wealth gospel. No, no, no. What I mean is let God have his best will, his perfect will done in your life. Don't settle for anything else. Begin to pray now, Lord, I want your perfect will done, not your permissive will. In every area of my life. And when I make a mistake, God, you take control and you get me back on the path that I need to be on. And I'll be honest with you, if you start praying that way, things are going to change in your life for the better. And is it going to be without pain sometimes? Probably not. Is it going to be scary? Probably. But in the end, and even during the process, you're going to have a peace that the world cannot tell. They can't understand it. You're going to have a peace in the midst of things, and then when he finally brings it to fruition, you're going to be like, oh, my, I am so unworthy, God. So unworthy. And that's just how much he loves us. Isn't that cool? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you that uh, your plan for us is good, Lord. You have a great plan for each one of our lives, and Lord, it's our wonderful delight, our privilege to discover what it is that you have for us, Lord, and help us not to be afraid of what you might do, God, because each of us have a plan in your your kingdom, and and Lord, you have a wonderful way of uniting our heart to whatever that thing is, and and, and giving us a purpose for the first time in our life, a real purpose, a real wonderful plan, Lord, that we couldn't even hatched ourselves. And it's so filled with blessings, God. And it's so filled with peace. Would you do that in each of our lives tonight? And all throughout this week, Lord, give us an unction, an understanding of every decision we make, whether it's of yours or whether it's of ours. And Lord, help us to submit to yours, your perfect will. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus'
0: name.